Thanks for joining us today on the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Enjoy today's message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called Love Handles, and I'm super pumped about this series. And really for a lot of reasons, but one of the key reasons is that I get to teach this series with my wife, Amy, who is incredibly talented. She's a licensed clinical therapist and an unbelievably amazing wife and mom. So let's welcome her to the stage today. Come on out, babe. Super excited about this series and what God wants to show us. But before we get started, I have a little question for you. Yes. Um, when you all decided on the logo for this series... <laughs> Were there any women in the room? Nope, not one. Yep, that's what I thought. Yep, mm-hmm. Pretty sure about that. I, no, I'm super excited about this series because it's so much more than the things that we've done in the past. It's not just a marriage, marriage series, and it's not just a parenting series. It is a series that is for all of our relationships, for friendships, for our work relationships, for our neighbors, for our relationship with our parents. I mean, God's principles and what he wants to show us today, they will make all of our relationships better. Absolutely. And uh, the, the series is called Love Handles, right? Because, you know, as some of us have gotten older, like we've maybe developed some love handles from too much Mexican food and bluebell, right? <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe it's just me. But, um, and what we, I think what most of us discovered is, like, these things are a lot harder to get rid of than we thought, right? Way harder. But here's the deal. The same is true in our relationships. Because, look, there are parts of every relationship that we wish were not there. And it's much harder to get those relationships back under control like we thought. In fact... When we try to get our relationships under control, we try to control our relationships, they actually get worse. Because when relationships start you know, getting away from us, our first response is to try to you know, grab onto them and try to control them. And when we try to control relationships, what oftentimes happens is that we end up just squeezing the life out of them, right? And I've seen that to be true in marriages that are struggling where people are trying to grab onto control. I've seen that especially to be true with parents and teenagers, because teenagers are wanting more independence. But parents tend to then get afraid and try to control everything that's going on, causing a lot of conflict. I've seen that to be true in a work environment where a boss tries to control all the little pieces of what their employees are doing. And what happens is you have this healthy work environment that becomes toxic very quickly. And I've also seen it to be true in people who are lonely, and they just want a friend. And so the first person that shows them attention or any positive attention, they like grab hold of that friendship with both hands, and they just start to squeeze the life right out of it. And I think that's just kind of a natural thing for us. When we see a relationship that starts to get out of control, our natural tendency is to try to exert control over that. But the problem is it usually has the opposite effect. That usually pushes the person farther away. And that's not God's plan for our relationships anyway. He wants our relationships to be loving and kind and life-giving. So how do we do that in a way that we can get a grip on our relationships without squeezing the life out of them and 
get a handle on them so that they can be loving and kind and life-giving. That's true. Well, the Apostle Paul in the Bible gives us some incredible insight on relationships. Uh, when he writes to the church in the city of Philippi, and Philippi is in modern-day Turkey. Now, in this church at the time, there was incredible discord and tension among the people within the church um, because they were trying to control one another. And one of the biggest dissensions in the church was that new Christians with a Jewish background were trying to tell new Christians with a pagan background what they could and could not do. Uh, essentially, they were trying to control them. And it was causing a lot of tension in the church. It was causing tension in marriages because some of these people with different backgrounds were married to one another. It was causing tension in friendships, uh, in work relationships because some of these people were in business with one another. And it was causing tension in relationships with people outside of the church. So it was just causing a lot of problems. And so Paul gets wind of what's going on in this church in Philippi. And so he, he's so distraught over what's going on that he takes the time to write to them from prison. Because Paul is imprisoned in Rome, and he's so upset that these relationships aren't going well that he writes these people. And the book of Philippians, honestly, has become one of the favorite books of Christians all over the world because it gives such, such good advice about relationships. And, and God speaks to us about our relationships and what to do when they're spinning out of control in order to make them more loving and kind and life-giving. And in what I think is the linchpin verse in the entire book of Philippians, Paul writes this. And so it's in your worship notes. Go ahead and pull them out. I want you to look at it right there. The key verse of the whole book is Philippians 2, verse 3. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Okay, so think about it like this. In your relationships, who is the only person that you can control? I mean, I think sometimes we think that we can control other people. Like we can control our kids or a spouse or we can control an employee. But that only works for the short term. In the long term, it doesn't work because the only person that we can control is ourselves. We are the only one that can control our actions, our reactions, our feelings, our responses. And so that's just a really important thing to realize. It's like, okay, I'm the only one that can control me. So what does God say about getting a grip on my relationships without squeezing the life right out of them? Number one is this, do nothing that benefits me and ignores you. Do nothing that benefits me and ignores you. I mean, what Paul is getting at, it's like the heart of it, is he is saying when we do things that primarily benefit us and they ignore the feelings and the needs and the wants of the people around us, like that's selfish. That is selfishness at its core. And so we're supposed to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit because when we do, that's what leads to conflict. Absolutely. Look, think, think about it like this. Virtually every conflict you've ever had in marriage is a result of somebody making a selfish choice, isn't it? Virtually every conflict you've ever had in parenting 
is because someone has made a selfish choice. Virtually every conflict you've had in a friendship or at the office or in, with your neighbors is because someone has made a, a selfish choice. And it's the result of almost every conflict. And look, since the only person you can control is you, what it means that in, in order for you to get a grip on your relationships, then you have to be the one that stops making choices that primarily benefit you and ignore other people. Look, and that's what the Apostle Paul was getting at when he's writing the church in Philippi. Like, he could see that the thing that was causing the problems in the church when their relationships was that people were making selfish choices. And so what does he say to do? He says, do nothing. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Essentially, he says, do nothing that primarily benefits you and ignores the other person. That's what Paul says. Yeah, so really, for, the, for, for all of us, the first step that we need to do is acknowledge that our problems in relationships come from selfish choices. Now, it would be super easy for us to be like, yep, all those problems are because of her selfish choices or his selfish choices or their selfish choices. And if they would just get that under control, we wouldn't have any relationship problems. But, you know, you get back to we can't blame other people because who's the only person we can control? It's us. And since we are the only people that we can control, we've got to start by acknowledging our own selfishness in the relationship and knowing we are part of the problem because expecting them to make all the changes that's selfish isn't it Mm -hmm. so acknowledging that we are a big part of the problem is the first step because when we start to acknowledge that it starts to stop squeezing the relationship like kind of that love and joy out of the relationship let me let me give you an example from from my childhood, and, and I honestly, I think probably most people have some version of this that happened to you growing up as, as well. Um, growing up, when me and my brother uh, realized that there was only one piece of pie left, and we both wanted it, um, the only way that we could uh, sort that out without having this big blow up fight about that pie was that one of us got to be the one that cut it in half but then the other person got to choose which piece they got. And that, pre- that prevented like, me from like, cutting the pie and one of them being a little bit bigger because then my brother got, would get to choose the biggest piece. Or if he cut them unevenly, then I could choose the biggest piece. And that, that was the only way that we could make it fair. But what do you think the Jesus thing to do would have been? The Jesus thing to do would have been to let my brother cut the pie and choose the biggest piece. Now, would he have taken advantage of that? Of course he would have, because I would have, right? <laughs> I would have taken advantage of that too. But, but even, even if I was the one that was taking advantage of it, and he was letting me, at some point, I would have realized the sacrifice he was making. And when I realized the sacri- that he was the one that was making the sacrifice, you know what that would do in me? That would make me want to begin to make sacrifices too. And look, and it's at that point our relationship stops being about what's fair and it starts becoming loving and kind and life-giving. 
And that that and really that that's what's important, right? And really, that's what starts with you saying, I am no longer going to do the things that primarily only benefit me. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, aren't people going to take advantage of my kindness if I do that? Um, yes, they probably will. In fact, I can guarantee you, at some times, people will take advantage of your kindness. But here's the thing. If you start to put the other person first and do the things that don't primarily benefit you, they see the sacrifices that you're making for the relationship. And in a healthy relationship, over time, it may not happen right away. It may take weeks or months or even years. But over time, they will also begin to make sacrifices for the relationship. And it just starts this cycle that really helps your relationship be healthier and more loving. Now, I'm putting my therapist hat on for a second. I am not talking about allowing people to take advantage of you to the point of abuse. I am not talking about that at all. I'm not talking about the extreme version of this. So if you're hearing that, you're not hearing me, okay? So I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about is choosing to put the other person first and their interest first so that over the long haul, your relationship will be more loving and more kind and more life-giving. All right, uh, let's move on. Point number two, uh, and honestly, which I think is actually even more convicting than, you know, point number one. And point number two is this. The verse says that I need to die to self. I need to die to self. Now, I know that that's a hard thing to hear. Maybe, you know, maybe it's even a harder thing to write. But there are multiple verses of the Bible that support this, including this verse in Philippians. In fact, I want us all to read that same verse out loud, and I want us to read it together, okay? So let's look at it. Let's say it out loud together. Ready? Go. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And I want you to underline the last four words, value others above yourselves. Because that's really key in understanding the point that we need to die to ourselves. Because the word value, this is your next feeling, the word value comes from a Greek word that really means think of. It means think of. So when Paul says that I'm supposed to you know, value other people above myself, what he's saying is that I need to think of them as above me. That, I, that the only way I can do that, though, is if I die to myself. That if I'm supposed to think about the other person first, to think about their wants and their needs and their desires and you know, what would benef- primarily benefit them, if I'm going to put them above me, it's as if I'm dying to myself. And that's what I need to do. No, and you're really good at that. I mean, you are much better at that than I am. No, 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 no. That's not true. No, that's not true. In fact, can I tell them what happened like just last week? Because it just plays into this point. Just sure. Just go ahead. Okay. Um, Okay. Last last week, Amy and I we were just talking, and and I just started laughing, and she's like, "Oh, what are you laughing about?" I was like, "Well, I was thinking about something that happened happened years ago." And when she came to me and she, you know, put her hands on her hips and she went like this, she's like, okay, Mike, on a scale of one to 10, how do you think our marriage is going right now? And I was like, well, I was going to say 10, (laughs) but since you put it like that, I'm going to go with eight. (laughs) 
And she said, eight? Where do you get eight? Our marriage is like a two right now. And I was like, <laughs> and now it's funny now, but like it was not funny then, like at all. But it spawned a really, it, honestly, it spawned a really good conversation where we began to talk about the things that needed to change in our marriage. Look, and I'm going to be honest with you, like most of it was me. Like I needed to make most of the changes because I was the one that was, I was, you know, taking her for granted and I, I wasn't doing the things that, you know, help our marriage grow and become more loving. Like we weren't doing date nights and um, I wasn't, you know, helping with the kids and I wasn't helping around the house as much. And, and, you know, I, we weren't taking time just, you know, me and her together, you know, without the kids. I, I, you know, I just wasn't doing that because in fact, I think, I think that was the year that I forgot mother's day. I know. Yeah. Okay. No, he didn't forget mother's day. I almost think that might have been better. No, that was the year that on Mother's Day, about 5 o'clock, you came in and you're like, so what do you want for Mother's Day? <laughs> what? Yeah, that really did happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's only happened once, okay? I, like I learned. So anyway. But, but look, see, there, there were parts of my life where like I was primarily just thinking about me. And what I needed to do was I needed to die to myself. But I wasn't doing that. Right? I think for us, like that conversation was super helpful because it allowed us to really look at where were the areas that we weren't dying to ourselves. I mean, Mike made some changes after that conversation. I made some changes after that conversation. And when we both made changes, it really helped us get on a track to be healthier and to be better with that. You know, and so maybe for you in some of your relationships, you may ha need to have one of those scale of one to 10 kind of conversations. But let me just tell you this, it only goes well if you have things in the right order. And what I mean by that is if you have put God first in your life and you are living for him and you're asking him to change the way that you think about other people in your relationships, that's when there's a willingness for the relationship to be healthier and better. And that's where God can work. Now, there's kind of a cheesy <laughs> Christian analogy that I learned at camp when I was a little kid, but it's called joy. And I'm sure some of y'all have heard it, but it's Jesus, others, you. And what that's basically saying is that when you put Jesus first and you put others above yourself and then you die to self, that's when the joy starts to come in your relationship. True. So, I mean, it's cheesy, but it works. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it really is true. Um, okay, let's get to our third point because this is where we're going to come into today's love handle. Now, you know, most of the time, like we're trying to get rid of love handles. Okay, but in this series, like we're trying to put on some love handles, right? And so, you know, in fact, you can go to work tomorrow and you can tell people, hey, you know what, at church, my pastor told me he wants me to have some love handles, you know? In fact, you can, in fact, tell people, God wants me to have love handles, right? And maybe they'll go, you know what, that's my kind of church, right? So, all right, here's today's love handle, so write this down. Do something to serve the other person. If you're going to do all these things, you have to just simply do something to serve the other person. And I want you to look what Jesus himself says about relationships. In Mark chapter 10, verse 43, Jesus says this. It says, he says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. 
For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So look, Jesus says that he came to serve us, and so therefore, we need to serve other people. So look, if you want to be great in the eyes of other people, if you want, if you want your relationships to be great, then you have to serve the other people in those relationships. Okay, now I have a feeling that every mom in this room just did an inward eye roll because you're already thinking, all I do is serve people. All I do is change diapers and wipe little tushies and go to the grocery store five times because somebody forgot to tell me that we're out of milk. I mean, maybe that's just our house. I don't know. It's <laughs> maybe that there's laundry and maybe that you are just driving kids up and down all the streets trying to you know, get them where they need to go and you never have time to do anything that you want to do. Here's the thing. I think moms are such a model of loving people well by serving them through the little things. And yes, moms do big things too. But in the little ways, when you're serving people in the small ways, that's when you get your biggest gains. You know, I was kind of thinking about it, and like one thing that you do that I think is super helpful, um, I don't like a messy kitchen. That's just my thing. I don't like a messy kitchen. It makes me feel like all out of sorts and kind of feel a little chaotic. So I like my kitchen clean. Not a neat freak, but I do like it clean. So on the days that I work late or I have 12-hour days, when I come in, Mike has made sure that the kitchen is clean for me so that when I walk in, I walk in to a clean kitchen. And I know that's kind of a small thing, but it goes a long way for me. And um, like at Thanksgiving, Mike and Ben, like we usually go early to Mike's parents, probably an hour or two early, so that Mike and Ben can put Christmas lights up on his parents' house so that his dad didn't have to get up on the ladder anymore. And then, I mean, another little thing that you do that I think really makes a huge difference is um, our son Ben has kind of a small lawn mowing business and he mows about six yards a week. And in the summertime, when he goes to church camp, he comes home exhausted. He is so tired, all he wants to do is sleep. So if Mike has time, while Ben is away, he will go mow his yards for him so that when he gets home, he doesn't have to go get back out in the heat and do that. And if he doesn't have time, then you do it with him. Yeah. I mean, those yeah. are just some examples of some small ways of serving people that really make a huge difference in the relationship. Well, and look, and you, and you do a lot of things to serve people at our house, too. I mean, Probably not as much as no, you do, though. No, that's not true. Um, you know, for instance, like, Amy knows that, like... <laughs> I just cannot function in a messy house. Like I just, like I, I just, I just can't, I just can't function there. And so, you do a great job of keeping our house just picked up and nice and you know, like everything in its place. And, and I know that you do that. You know, well, you like it too, but you also do it primarily for me. And you do tons of things. Like, you know, you make sure that the kids, like, they have their favorite snacks, and that I have my favorite snacks too. And <laughs> and. And, and at Christmas time, you do pretty much all the Christmas shopping because, like, that's just a super busy, you know, time of the year for me. Um, but you do tons of things to serve because here's what, here's what we found. In, in serving in relationships, like, it's not the one big thing that makes the biggest difference. It's the cumulative effect of lots of little ways that we serve one another. Like, that helps us get a grip on the love in those relationships. It's, it's, it's that cumulative effect. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to commit to serve the other person in whatever relationship you have that you know needs the most work. 
So whatever relationship that is, make a commitment to start serving that person. It'll help, I'm telling you, it'll help you get a grip on love and that relationship. In fact, um, I read a quote this last week by Kerry Newhoff, a great Christian author, and he said this. Let's put this up on the screen. He said, the only thing more terrifying than dying to yourself is living for yourself. And you know, the more I've thought about that, the more I realize it's true. Because when, when I'm just living for myself, essentially what I'm doing is I'm feeding that part of me that's just primarily concerned about me. And when that self-centered part of me is really well-fed, it grows too strong, and it, it just wrecks every other healthy relationship that I have in my life. But when we serve other people, it starves out that self-centered part of us, and it really feeds that Jesus-led part of us, mm -hmm. and it's like it breathes life into our friendships and our relationships, and it makes them um, just healthier and better all the way around. So let me ask you this. When was the last time that you served someone where it did not benefit you? I mean, because let's be honest, a lot of times serving also benefits us. So when was the last time that you served someone where it didn't benefit you? And here's my challenge. I need to think about maybe somebody that you could serve this week, maybe a brother or a sister, our teenagers, a parent, our parents, your kids, our spouse, our coworker, and, and choose one person and then ask God to show you a way that you could serve them this week. Yeah, yeah and, and what that'll do is that will start to develop love and kindness mm -hmm. and that sense of life giving in that relationship. And look, and really, our model for that is Jesus, right? Because when Jesus came to this earth, he didn't come to be served. He didn't come to you know, rule with an iron right fist. I mean, he could have, but he didn't. In fact, Jesus came to serve. And the primary way that Jesus served was that he served us by dying on a cross for us. And look, and, and look let's be honest. Jesus didn't just die on a cross. He allowed himself to be killed by being nailed through both hands and both feet and hung on a cross of wood until he died. And the reason that Jesus did that was so that he could provide a way for your sins and my sins to be forgiven so that we could go to heaven when we die. And without receiving the forgiveness of Jesus, that means that you and I, we would have spent an eternity paying for our sins ourselves in a place that the Bible calls hell. And so look, I'll, let me say this. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you, there's a prayer, it's in your message notes. You can pray that prayer right now. And if you do, and you really mean it, then Jesus will come into your life and he'll change you from the inside. Just like he's changed literally thousands of other people in this church. So if you're ready to pray that prayer, then I wanted to give you a second to do that. And the reason that Jesus came was because he came to serve, not be served. And so in our relationships, Jesus is asking us to start serving other people as well. So bow your head, close your eyes, let me pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you want to help us get a grip on our relationships. Not to squeeze the life out of them, but to increase the love within them. 
And so I ask that you would help each one of us to take your words today and you, that you would hide them in our heart, that we literally would do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but instead that we would serve one another and you would show us specific ways to do that. And even when people take advantage of us, it doesn't matter. We're not serving them so we, for what we can get out of it. We're serving them just to serve them, to honor you and to increase the love and the kindness and the life in those relationships. So help us to do that because you did that for us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. You can find more information about Parkway Fellowship by visiting our website, parkwayfellowship.com. And be sure to download our mobile app for previous message series, video content, and much more.